0: Welcome to Episode 221 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Why, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, intermittent fasting, and wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Fast, Feast, Repeat, a comprehensive guide to delay, don't deny, intermittent fasting. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get my favorite electrolytes for free, plus special announcement, Element's new chocolate medley is here. So when you think electrolytes, you might think summer and hot times and needing to stay hydrated. did you know that hydration is actually super important in cold weather as well? There's an idea out there that cold weather reduces our hydration needs. That's not true. So in the cold, two main things can actually increase our metabolic rate. You may be working harder, tramping through the snow, And you can be wearing cumbersome winter clothing that can actually raise your energy needs by 10 to 20%. And as your metabolic rate raises, your sweat rate raises, and you need to replace those fluids with electrolytes. You also lose more water when it's cold through your breath. That's because cold temperatures contain significantly less water than hot temperatures, aka it's drier outside. When you breathe in that cold, dry air, your respiratory system actually acts like a humidifier so that your body can be warm and humid like it likes to be. Of course, that drains your hydration reserves as well. One study actually found that respiratory water loss after a full day of activity nearly doubled at freezing temperatures compared to the 70s. On top of that... When you're cold, you actually become less thirsty, possibly from blood vessel constrictions in the cold, which can trick the body into thinking the blood volume is higher than it is. In other words, it's cold out there. You probably need hydration. And electrolytes are so key for all of these cellular processes in your body, all of your energy production. It all requires electrolytes, but it can be hard to find electrolytes, which are clean, without unnecessary fillers and which you can feel good about drinking. That's why I love Element. There's a reason I'm obsessed with it. There's a reason all you guys are as well. And like I said, I'm so excited because Element's new chocolate medley is here featuring chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. And this is a limited time, so you definitely wanna stock up on these now. Plus, you can get a free gift with purchase when you purchase that chocolate medley or other element electrolytes. That's right. You can get a free sample pack, eight single serving packets for free with any element order. It's a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. You can get yours at drinklmnt.com ifpodcast. That's drinklmnt.com ifpodcast. By the way, those chocolates in that chocolate medley make delicious hot chocolates. And of course, as always, Element has a no questions asked refund, so you have nothing to lose. So go to drinklmnt.com slash podcast to get
1: your free electrolytes. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% 20 off their first order, beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show.
0: Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 221 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen?
2: I am great, and I have had a very exciting
0: week. Really? How so?
2: Super exciting. Some amazing intermittent faster named Ashley posted a TikTok video about her 70-pound weight loss. I guess in the past week, I guess it was maybe Sunday she posted it. And it apparently went a little viral. And people started buying Fast Feast Repeat like crazy. And it was number four of all books on Amazon. On Monday, four of all books on Amazon. I've never been that high. What's number one? I mean, I think it's like fiction. I can't remember. I mean, this is like of all books, like every book in the world.
0: Like in the world?
2: Yes. All the the books that are selling. Anyway, that was so exciting. And it stuck around in the top 10 for a little while. And then it was like in in the top 20. And today it was higher. But it's still been in the top 100 all week. I mean, that's like amazing.
0: Do you think it'll be back on the New York Times bestseller list for that week?
2: Oh, you know what? I've done some snooping on the New York Times bestseller list. Just like the, it's complicated, right? It is very complicated. But the category that I'm in, that my book is in, is the like how to and self help whatever category. And so I looked at what was on it the last time it came out. Like it was the June twentieth. Even though we're recording this prior to June twentieth, it was the June twentieth edition. And so on the June 20th edition, I looked at what was number one, number two, number three, and Fast Feast Repeat was indeed ranking higher than that, than those books for a few days. So will it translate into enough to make the list again?
0: I don't know. That'd be so cool.
2: It would be so cool because, you know, we are actually two days away. Today we're recording on June 18th, even though this episode comes out in July, but we are two days away from the one-year anniversary of Fast Feast Repeat coming out. So wouldn't it be fun if... Wow, a year? It's been a year.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. I feel like it was just yesterday.
2: I know. It's been crazy. But to think about you know a book coming back onto the list a year out, it's not typical, unless it's been on there the whole time. I mean, some books, like, for example, Atomic Habits... It's always there. Right. It's like always there. Yeah. It was there when I was there and
0: then I went away and it's still there. And for listeners, our agent sends like a New York Times bestseller email.
2: Oh, I don't get that one. I'm not on that list.
0: You don't get it? I've never gotten it. Oh, you're not on that? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, you could probably get added to it. It's just a list of the New York Times bestsellers every week and Atomic Habits It's always Atomic Habits. It's always there. That is true. Like, how are there still people left in the world to buy this book? Because apparently everybody has bought it. It's a good book. I would love to have him on the show, on my other show. Congratulations, though. That's very cool.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Anyway, we shall see. So anyway, it's very exciting. And my fingers are crossed. We'll see. I don't know if if I'll be back on the list or not. But I I would love it. But time will tell.
0: I will keep my fingers crossed. I will look for that email.
2: Awesome. (laughs) What's up with you?
0: I was just reflecting. I have a very exciting week next week or this upcoming week. What's going on? So Monday, I'm, you know, feels, you know, I love feels. I do know feels. Yes. (laughs) What? I've never heard of them. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love feels. It's almost ridiculous how much feels helps me personally like taking it every single night for listeners it's the cbd oil brand that we love they do like features on people who use feels so they're gonna do one on me which is really exciting so they're paying for a photographer to come to my apartment on monday and like shoot me and my apartment
2: oh my god that's fun That's really fun because one company, I won't say which one it was, is one of our sponsors. But they also sponsored intermittent fasting stories. They're like, could you send us a picture using the product? And I had to just like take my own picture. And I was like, this looks ridiculous. (laughs) Good luck with this.
0: Jen does not like taking
2: pictures
0: <laughs> with the products.
2: I, I don't like taking selfies. I'm not good at it because I'm always like hyper-focused on what my hand, how I'm clicking. The, I, I just am not a good selfie taker. I'm not even sorry. <laughs> it, it is what it is.
0: I do them reluctantly. But yeah, this is exciting that it's going to be, you know, very official. So so that's Monday. Tuesday, I'm going to be on Abel James's podcast and he has a fat-burning man, and that that podcast is, I mean, it's pretty legit. It's been around for, like, ever. And he's so nice. So I'm, like, not even nervous about it because I've had him on my show, and he's just, like, the kindest human being.
2: You can tell by looking at his eyes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes.
0: He's got really kind eyes. You can totally tell from people's eyes. I think, out of how many guests have I had? Almost 100. I think he's the kindest. And everybody who meets him, that's what they say, that he's just like the nicest person. And then on Wednesday, I'm actually doing an, my first IG Live. I've never done an Instagram Live. And I'm doing it with Inside Tracker and Corey Rodriguez. Oh, that's fun. He has a lot of followers on Instagram, so he must have a pretty big following. So that's going to be really exciting. I think you did an IG Live, right? I think I saw that
2: I've done a couple of them at request of other people. People who are like, would you please? They're not my favorite. I feel weird. One I did was an interview, which I didn't mind as much. But then the one I most recently did, it was just me by myself. Like, they they were like, no, you're just going to log into our account. Here's our password information. And then just go and we'll feed you questions. I'm like, what? What? (laughs) I've realized I love talking to people. I can have a conversation. I can answer
0: questions.
2: But what I don't love is talking at a camera, just staring at it, like, off the top of my
0: head. Yeah. It's awkward if if it's just you. It feels awkward to me.
2: I mean, I managed to do it, but it felt awkward. I always feel like I sound crazy.
0: (laughs) That's so funny.
2: One of the companies that I work with wanted me to make an Instagram video and send it to them that they could. And, like, I just can't. I I just can't do that. (laughs) I'm going to have to do something different.
0: (laughs) That's so funny.
2: That's not what I'm doing. Sorry. I mean, you know, I'm just, I'll be 52 years old very soon. I'm going to do what
0: feels good. Not your thing. Not your thing.
1: No,
2: I'm not going to apologize. I just can do what I can do. (laughs) I mean, I could do anything, but I don't want to do things that feel outside of authentic.
0: Yeah. One brand wanted me to do an Instagram takeover where I was supposed to like, kind of similar to what you just said, I would log into their account and then I would post stories like all day, but they wanted it to be like my life all day. And I was like, my life's not that exciting. Like, like, I don't know what I would take the stories of (laughs) like podcasting at the cryo.
2: Yeah. I mean, that would be interesting, but it just, it feels forced to me. I don't know. I don't want to live my life like that. Sorry. That's when people were like, could you follow me around and show me everything you eat all day long and and take pictures? People have asked me that a lot. People are always like, show me what you eat. I'm like, no. Show me everything, everything you eat. I'm like, I'm not doing that.
0: No. (laughs) And then I'm always like, you don't want to know. And they're like, yes, we do. (laughs) It's not that exciting, friends. It's pounds and pounds of meat and cucumbers and fruit. I'm not eating that, but... (laughs) Yesterday, I
2: had a big old cheeseburger and some house-made potato chips at the beach bar. I'm at the beach.
0: Sounds very beachy. Cheeseburger in paradise.
2: Yeah. Well, that's it. When I drive to the... I'm at the condo today. And for some reason, when I drive to the beach, I'm like, now I must eat a cheeseburger at the beach bar. I like always do that day one when I get here. I don't know why.
0: I love little traditions like that. They're so fun. Yeah. And
2: now i like, now I've had it. Okey-doke. <laughs> <laughs> there was my burger. And tonight, I'm going out to eat with somebody who's in the Delay, Don't Deny community that I've never met in person, and I'm really excited. I'm meeting her and her wife at a restaurant. Cool. Yeah. I found out she was here. A friend, a, We have a mutual Delay, Don't Deny friend. She's like, heads up. I was talking to Allison. It's her name, and she's at Myrtle Beach. She said, doesn't Jen come to Myrtle Beach sometime? I said, but I didn't tell her that you're at Myrtle Beach. <laughs> And I'm like, well, let me reach out. So I sent her a message. She's in the Delay on Deny social network. So I sent her a private message there. And I'm like, hey, I am at the beach. What you doing? So we made plans to meet for dinner.
0: Oh, that'll be fun. I know.
2: I'm really excited. You know me. I love people. I love meeting people, people in the community. So.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've met anybody in person from like the groups or the shows or anything. I don't think. No. Well. I met people I know from the show, so I haven't met, like, somebody in the audience. Right. Well, it all
2: started with the first Delayed on Deny cruise, you know, that we did in 2018. So that was the first time I, you know, I met people I didn't know. But what was so cool is that you really do know them. Like, the people you think you like from the groups that you think you know, you really do. They are just as awesome as you think they are. People are very much who they seem like, I found.
0: Yeah, I love that. Actually, one of my best friends, I think we met in one of your groups, maybe, like originally, like way back in the day.
2: What's her first name? Is she helping you moderate? Pam. Yeah, I knew that's who it was. I knew it. Yep, she was in my groups. And then she came over to your
0: group. I remember. We did the IF group together. We we started it together. I thought so. Yeah, I kind of remembered that. I forget about that because she doesn't really like actively do much with the groups now. But and I talk to her all the time, but she lives in Canada.
2: <laughs> I love that. You know, one of my very best friends is Sherry that I do the other podcast with that we met through the delayed on not Deny groups. And before I even met her in person, we were planning the second delayed on Deny cruise. And I was like, I know I've never met you, and this might be weird, but would you be my roommate on the second cruise? <laughs> because we were going in March, and I needed someone who was not a teacher and who could get away.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: I love that. And she works in healthcare. She's like, absolutely, I'll be your roommate. So anyway,
0: good times. Awesome. Yeah. It's just a wonderful community.
2: It is a wonderful community. And that is what I love. You know, that I'm a teacher at heart. I will always be. And that's what teachers do. You know, we set up community in our classrooms. And I mean, I, I really think that's the key to, to being a successful classroom teacher is making your classroom feel like a community. So that's just what I do. Anyway, I'm excited. I'm going to be at the beach for two weeks total, which is a long time. I don't usually come this long, but my house is still going under construction in the backyard. I just needed to get away. So here I am. <laughs> but I have a beach strategy for how I'm going to eat. And, you know, people are taking vacations. And I'm sure they're listening and wondering how they're going to manage. I'm going to just really do probably most days a pretty tight one meal a day. You know, when I come to vacation, usually if I'm here for like four days or something like that, I might have two meals a day and I relax. But 14 days? No, that's a whole different story. If I ate two meals a day for 14 days, I wouldn't feel good at all.
0: I don't feel good after one day of not doing one meal a day.
2: Yeah. So it's going to be a tighter window, like we're going to eat tonight at 630. And I'm just going to fast until then. And I'll have a big meal and then... Tomorrow, my family's all coming. My dad, my stepmother, my sister, her husband, my brother, his wife, my other brother, all their kids. (laughs) It's going to be a big, big to-do at the beach. But I'm going to enjoy one amazing meal a day. Perfect.
0: Yeah. I love it. eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to Melanie to sign up free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking, honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress, and I am not kidding. That's right, unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I am just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'scloset.com.
2: So are we ready to get into our questions?
0: I think so.
2: All right. We have one from Jen, J-E-N Jen. And the subject is fasting insulin fluctuations question mark. Jen says, hi ladies. Love the podcast and all that I've learned from it. I've heard you both talk about the value of checking fasting insulin levels, and I'm looking to get that done soon. But first, I wanted to know if it fluctuates as much as fasting glucose levels, since blood glucose and insulin are so closely intertwined. I'm not diabetic, but have worn CGMs, and as Melanie has pointed out, the amount blood glucose levels can vary within a few minutes of each other, even during the fasted state, can be pretty remarkable. So I'm wondering if the fasted insulin level I get could be significantly different depending when the blood sample is drawn. If only there were CIMs, continuous insulin monitors. Oh my God, I would love that. I would go get one immediately. Really? Christmas. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I don't care how much it costs. Anyway, that would depend because I'm frugal. (laughs) Sorry, I'm frugal. (laughs) All right. Related, I know HbA1c takes about three months to trend, but do you know how long it takes for fasted insulin levels to trend upwards or downwards? I noticed with my CGM that if I have a high glucose day, it could take a couple of days for my overall glucose to trend back down, even with IF. If I got my fasted insulin checked a day or two after some indulgence, would that show up or does it take a longer pattern of like a week or longer to reflect change? trying to determine the ideal time to get tested. Thanks, ladies, and keep up the great
0: content. All right. Well, this is a great question from the other Jen, different Jen. So I actually have been going down a rabbit hole recently. So when I had on Harpreet, the CEO of Oura Ring, he introduced me on the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. He introduced me to a girl who's a researcher. She researches specifically rhythms. So... Not so much circadian rhythms. Oh, Jen, do you know the difference between circadian rhythm, infradian rhythm, and ultradian rhythm? That would be a negative. <laughs> I would just assume they're different rhythms of the body. Yes. So circadian rhythm is 24 hours. So your 24 hour cycle. Infradian is longer than 24 hours. So it's like menstrual cycles, things like that. And then ultradian is less than 24-hour rhythms. So it's things like like blood sugar and stuff like that. So I've been reading all of her research studies that she's worked on and prepping for the show. It's fascinating because in one of her articles, she talks about how, I guess, I think it's a 32 to 1 ratio of studies that have been done on circadian rhythms versus ultradian rhythms. So basically, they're just not really researching this very much. But she has one, for example, on cholesterol and triglycerides and HDL and ultradian rhythms. And it changes drastically throughout the day, your cholesterol levels. Your cholesterol does? The HDL doesn't really, but the triglycerides and the LDL do, which is really interesting. Well, we know blood glucose
2: does. And yet you go get, you know, one minute test snapshot in time and
0: it's like, So many decisions are made based on that. And that's something they talk about in a lot of her articles is like, think about it. A lot of people just do one annual checkup. They determine like basically the entirety of their metabolic health based on that one snapshot that if they had gone at a different day, even just a different time during that day, it could have been drastically different. And even in the um, study that she did on the cholesterol, for example, and I know Jen's question is about insulin, but I'm going to circle back to it. Basically what they did in that study was they had people at home using a finger prick system and testing their cholesterol all throughout the day for like weeks, I think. I'm not sure how long the whole thing lasted, but everybody, every participant at some point during the day, their levels went into like risk categories when it wasn't at other parts of the day. Isn't that fascinating?
2: Well, I mean, it kind of makes me mad. (laughs) Frankly, you know why?
0: I mean, I, I can, I can, yeah, there's a lot of reasons.
2: Well, like, like that one snapshot period in time, and then people are like, oop, you got high cholesterol, here's some meds, when really that might have
0: just been a peak of your day. They didn't really flesh out the significance. I find it really fascinating that HDL didn't really change, but LDL and Triggs did. I'm really excited to hear her perspective on that. So the point of all of that is that I am just really, really shocked about how much things change. And because we, we obviously have seen this with blood sugar with the CGMs and for Jen's question about insulin. So I was really hoping that her name is Azure, which is such a beautiful name, Azure. I was hoping that one of her studies talked about insulin, but I didn't see it anywhere. Oh, really quickly. So what she's proposing in her work, and it's a reason that she's working with Aura, is they're trying to see if like you can measure other body stats, like body temperature and respiration and stuff like that and make better conclusions about your body state rather than like a single blood test. Particularly, she actually talks about the role of like temperature and how it relates to diabetes. And so they're hoping that in the future that it might be possible to monitor blood sugar and your diabetes status and your need for insulin without actually... Taking your blood sugar because they would be able to look at all of these other factors that are related.
2: So they're trying to find a correlation with something else, like that the aura ring measures.
0: Yeah. So other rhythms, basically, yeah, rhythms that would relate to the the blood sugar and the insulin needs, which is like very very cool. The other reason I'm bringing her on is she does a lot of work on like the rhythms of like the menstrual cycles and female fertility, and it's really exciting. That's part of the answer is that it likely is changing. But I went one step further. I actually asked Dr. Benjamin Bickman this question. And for listeners, he wrote the book, Why We Get Sick, The Hidden Epidemic at the Root of Most Chronic Disease and How to Fight It. Jen, you read that book, right? Nope. I haven't read that one. We just talked about it a lot. You've talked about it. I haven't read it yet. It's all about insulin. Like it's literally like Insulin, like he thinks insulin resistance is the root of most diseases. So I had him on the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast. So I'll put a link to it. But I asked him this question and he said on Instagram, (laughs) love Instagram. And he said, insulin ebbs and flows, even during fasting conditions, I'm unsure of the precise range, but it could easily fluctuate. This is a lot. Five plus, how is it measured? How do you say it? The UU. Oh, I don't know what that... I can't say
2: that. But 5, 5, whatever it is of the scale per milliliter. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Even up to 10, which is considerable.
2: That is considerable.
0: So it could be changing substantially. And it's further concerning because, I mean, it's hard enough to get blood sugar tests. I mean, you can do it yourself with a finger prick or you can wear a CGM or you can go to the doctor. But, I mean, that, that alone, people often find a barrier to it because they don't like pricking themselves or they don't want to wear a CGM or CGMs are a little bit costly, or they don't want to go to the doctor. The insulin test, you can really only get right now at the doctor. And it's hard to find a doctor that will prescribe it because they often don't know that it exists or they think it's like not relevant. So the point of all this is that I think checking your fasting insulin is super important, but there's definitely a barrier there. Were you going to say something?
2: You can order or get an order for a fasted insulin test. I can't remember the name of the website, but my co-host on Life Lessons, Sherry, was talking about it. She did it. Like there's some like walk-in lab or something. I don't know. I'm I can't remember the name of the but there's some company that lets you like you pay them a very like I think it's like $25 and they will give you an order for a fasted insulin test.
0: Does any lab test now do it? Maybe. Yeah. Well, maybe Jen, maybe we can look up and put in the show notes. company that'll do it. Yeah. And for listeners, the show notes will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 221. But then even with that, I mean, so that's super amazing and a super great resource. But even with that, it's like to Jen's question, it's hard to know exactly where you are in the grand scheme of things compared to that one single snapshot in time. And that's why I think like a CGM, for example, and again, that's blood sugar, not insulin for a CGM, but I think it's, that's why it's so valuable for so many people because it gives you a broad picture where you get a much better sense of in general, how your blood sugar is, how you're responding to food. And it's not this one moment in time that may or may not be an accurate depiction of, you know, what you're experiencing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll put a link in the show notes. I have discount codes. Well, so for Nutrisense CGM, if you go to MelanieAvalon.com slash Nutrisense CGM and use the coupon code Melanie Avalon, that will get you 15% off. Or if you want levels, they are at a like some ridiculous number of a waitlist. But if you use my link, you skip the waitlist. So that's MelanieAvalon.com slash levels CGM. But as far as Jen's second question about you know, how long would it take for insulin to trend upwards or downwards? Because she was saying that she noticed that it can take her, you know, a few days to recover her blood sugar levels after a high blood sugar day or a high glucose day. I'm trying to remember where I heard this and it's not good to just like quote something and not remember the source, but somewhere along the line, I was reading something and it was saying, this was like on a um, I think on a ketogenic diet, like how It might have been in Dr. Bickman's book. I could revisit that. It was relatively fast, like how shocking of a change you could see in insulin trends. I don't remember if it was like three days or a week, but it was definitely somewhere in that sphere. Do you have thoughts, Jen?
2: Well, I do. We know that our blood glucose goes up. Our body releases insulin to deal with that. I mean, that's what our bodies are supposed to do. Of course, when you have insulin resistance, it gets all out of whack and your body releases more and more and more insulin over time because you're insulin resistant. And that's when your levels go up, 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 up and over time. Like think of that curve, just curving up the more demand you have. So I think a lot of it depends on how metabolically healthy you are. And I, am, I'm, I have a hunch here. This is not me. This is not <laughs> hard science. My guess would be that... If you're if you're metabolically healthy, it's going to go up and down within a smaller range, down, you know, lower level versus if you're insulin resistant, it's probably going to go up and down within a higher range. But I don't think it's going to go from like way way high to just boom down low. I don't think it's going to vary that much. It's, I don't think it varies quite as much as as blood glucose. Just based on what we know about insulin resistance. Do you think that sounds plausible, Melanie? Do you mean the difference
0: between like how much blood sugar fluctuates well, I,
2: I think that, that blood sugar fluctuations have so much to do with, with what you're eating, obviously. We know that. What's going in. And also what, how much insulin you're, you're putting out. You know that, That's going to affect your blood glucose, obviously. Oh, I see what you're saying. But what I'm saying is, if you're insulin resistant, I think you always hang out at a higher level
0: of insulin kind of all the time. That's similar to, we talked about this before, Gary Taubes' thesis. Like he thinks there's like, everybody sort of has sort of a like a baseline level of insulin that he calls it the insulin threshold that below or above it kind of determines how your cells are storing or not storing energy, storing or releasing energy. It's a little bit different nuance. It's a similar concept in that there's like a threshold or like a baseline and people are all different.
2: We know that with hyperinsulinemia, that's overall high levels of insulin, like you're that's like a thing. That's like a, you know, diagnosis, I guess. I don't know that people are getting that diagnosis, but it's a, it's a real medical thing, hyperinsulinemia, high levels of circulating insulin all the time. So, I think that those people aren't like zooming down to low and then back up to high. I think they pretty much hang out in the high all the time. I I don't know that we have a lot of of like repeated insulin tests, though, a lot of data, like, like we do with blood glucose, because blood gl- glucose is so much easier to monitor. I know we have a lot of that data. I don't know how much insulin data. That would be interesting to know. But I do have one little tip for anyone getting a fasted insulin test. Don't drink black coffee before you go. Because, you know, black coffee can cause your liver to dump out glycogen. Anything that makes your liver dump out glycogen is going to make your blood glucose go up. And that could make your body release some insulin to go along with that increased blood glucose. So you want to just stick to water only the time before you get your your fasted blood work done.
0: I'll put a link in the show notes, though, to Dr. Benjamin Bickman's book because I'm just like looking through it now briefly. And the entire book is about insulin because I read it a, a while ago. If any listener wants to read it again and let us know if he answers the question about how many how many days it takes to go down. That'd be really cool.
2: I would have a guess, though, for her that if your blood glucose is trended up, for example, she talks about it, it takes a day or two after her indulgence for her blood glucose to trend down. I would expect her insulin would follow that curve. Wouldn't you? Yeah, I would definitely think that they're like correlated. In a healthy body, they sh- they're they supposed to be correlated. Even in an unhealthy body, they have correlations, obviously. But I would think that if your blood glucose is trending up, your insulin would be trending up as well. That's how it's supposed to work.
0: Oh, actually. So, Jen, I just realized this episode comes out July 12th. The episode that just came out on my show, the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast, last Friday, the 9th, was Gary Tobbs. So that's exciting. I'm so excited to release that episode. I will put it in the show notes. So... Did we get all of her questions? I think we did. Cool. All So now we have a question from Todd and the subject is pollen while water fasting. And Todd says, have you come across any info in regards to taking pollen while water fasting or any type of fasting? I would love to continue to take pollen to relieve allergy responses, that my body has to grass and other things in the air, but I also want the best results while fasting. And I do not want insulin to become activated. I take it orally and I will include a picture. I did two days of fasting with a 16 hour window today. I am fasting continuously. I used to mix the pollen with oatmeal in the morning, but I decided to go without it while fasting to see how it went. I go on a three and a half to five mile walk in the morning and have noticed my itchy eyes are returning. I also take a prescription for allergies. If I went without the meds and without the pollen, I fear I would be miserable and breathing would be affected. Thanks for any advice on this matter. And then he has a picture of the pollen, which, so he doesn't show us the label. It's very physical looking.
2: Yeah. Like big old giant hunks of pollen. Not like gentle, gentle little pollen that you can't even see. This is like a chunk of pollen.
0: Yeah. It looks
2: like rocks
0: or gravel. Looks like gravel. They're little
2: granules, little granules of pollen that look maybe like like big old crystals of salt but
0: yellow. Yes, that's a good description.
2: We could just like describe things. <laughs> <laughs> that's our talent. <laughs> I
0: love doing this podcast. Can I just say, this is
2: so much fun. Me too.
0: (laughs) Okay, so listeners, and then I went to the website to look up the actual product and they don't show the ingredient list, but they say that it is 100% raw, natural, and local bee pollen. Do you know what they say on the website? Can I read this to you, Jen?
2: Yes, and I, I would be mad if you didn't.
0: Okay, they say, the only complete food in all of the world with the addition of roughage and water. I don't even know why you would need roughage I'm saying, but they say the human body can survive on honey and bee pollen alone. This is because it is the only food which contains all known 96 nutrients, including vitamins, A to K, including the full complex of bees, 28 minerals, 14 fatty acids, eight essential amino acids. Oh, several hormone like compounds and 22 essential elements, folate, blah, blah, blah. You would have to eat so much bee pollen, though, to get that. So, but this answer.
2: (laughs) I'm like imagining I, I literally for a minute was like, how would that look? And then I'm like, someone's going to try that. (laughs) Someone's going to be like, I bet you'd lose a lot of weight eating that
0: bee pollen. They say it's an antibacterial. Listeners, don't try. I know. Please, listeners, do not try this. But that actually answers the question for me. I'm glad I read that because clearly it's very high in protein, relatively speaking. I mean, when you said the word food, that answered the question. Yeah, reading that helped a lot.
2: So I would, sadly, Todd, not have that during the fast. But you're having a 16-hour fast with an 8-hour eating window. I would think you could fit your pollen into that eight-hour eating window, like open your window with it, and then have it maybe at the end of your window. I mean, that would you would only be going 16 hours without it. And I mean, definitely take your medication during the fast. That's fine. Keep your medication whenever you need to take it. If you need to wake up in the morning, take your medication, and then keep fasting, and then open your window after 16 hours with the bee pollen,
0: that's what I would do. That's what I was going to say, 100%. I'm not very schooled in, in using pollen to address allergies. But if it is something where you're just taking it once a day, no reason that you can't just open your window with it. So, wow, I've learned so much. We can put a link in the show notes to this bee pollen. One he sent us is called Eagle Creek is the brand. That is so interesting. I wonder what it tastes like.
2: I don't know. If he was putting in oatmeal, maybe it's delicious. I don't know. Maybe you don't taste it
0: at all. Does it help you with the allergies because if it's local, then it has like the pollen from all of the things you might be allergic to?
2: Yeah, I mean, you would think so. That, that's why local honey is supposed to be good. I don't really
0: know. I'm not an expert on bee pollen. I just feel like I would react to it. It, it sounds, I don't know, even if it was psychosomatic. The idea of like putting pollen straight in my body, I...
2: I mean, it might be miraculous. Maybe we should all be having it.
0: I'll find some here in Atlanta. There
2: probably is in Atlanta. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do it. Hope I don't get like anaphylactic shock.
2: Well, please don't.
0: (laughs) And that was the last episode of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I could take some like in the ice bath that I make and then like they find me frozen with anaphylactic shock. Like that's how I went out. <laughs> Moving on. All
2: right. We have a question from Anisha and the subject is IF before your period. She says, hi, Jen and Melanie. I really love your podcast. It's been keeping me company during long lockdown walks. I'm from the UK and have been doing IF in different varieties for a few years. I've played around with one meal a day, 24, etc." Since two weeks ago, I am now trying 5-2 and loving it. I started off eating 500 calories on down days and then moved to two 36-hour fasts per week as I found it was easy to just not eat at all. However, this week on my second fast for the week, I'm struggling. I'm pretty sure it's due to the fact that I am now due in less than a week and getting PMS symptoms, cravings, low mood, mood swings. I have read online that you shouldn't fast the week before your period as it causes too much stress to the body. I'm wondering if you have any research about this. Should I maybe go back to eating 500 calories the week before my period if I do persevere? I feel I probably can. Am I causing my body too much stress? Would love to hear your thoughts. Alright,
0: so this was a, a great question from how did you say it? Did you say Anisha? I did. Yes. And we've been talking about this, I feel like, a lot on recent episodes. And I mean we've always been getting questions like this, but Jen, do you feel like we've been getting even more and more questions about this all the time? Yes.
2: Yes, because more and more people are starting to to say you know, the, the women shouldn't fast thing. I I mean it's like picking up steam. And it's it's kinda like the The mantra, breakfast is the most important meal of the day and eat six small meals to boost your metabolism and women shouldn't fast. I mean, I put all that together in the same advice camp.
0: I mean, I I really do. The figures where it's been popularized, like we talked about before, Elisa VT and her book, In the Flow and Women's Women's Code, Women's or Women's, one of those. And she has popularized this a lot. What's interesting is, you know, Dave Asprey's book, I feel like people read that and felt like he said women shouldn't fast, but he didn't say that at all in that book, which I found really interesting. He literally said at one point, like something to the effect of, I don't think women shouldn't fast. Actually right now, the book I'm reading, cause I'm going to bring her on the show is Stephanie Estima. Have you heard of her? I have not. She wrote a book called The Betty Body. I really, really like it. She talks about this a lot and she is a, not as an intense of an approach to Alisa Vidi. What's going on here, I think, is if you look at the phases of the menstrual cycle, which I am learning so much about, and it's so exciting, but basically we have the follicular phase, the ovulatory phase, luteal, and then our menstrual cycle. And in the luteal phase, which is the you know three-fourths of the way through, so it's the latter half of your cycle before your period, our metabolic rate does increase. And so people often think that they have cravings for stuff right before their period. And it has something to do with, you know, needing carbs or something like that. A large part of it though, is just that we actually, our metabolism actually does increase.
2: Can I pop something in here? Mm -hmm. Our body temperature goes up as well. And those two things are very tightly correlated. So anybody who's taking your temperature, I did that for fertility when I was trying to get pregnant. I took my body temperature and it's fascinating to see as your your cycle goes on, you know, your temperature goes up and that is when your metabolism is also going up. I
0: think that's the main thing that I was talking about Azure earlier, the, the researcher. The main thing that she's working with aura on is them adjusting the aura ring to track Fertility and female cycles with body temperature. Yeah,
2: and I think I've talked about this before. But my co-host on Life Lessons, like this is the third time I've mentioned her, Sherry. She has an aura ring, and she had ablation done a while back enough so she doesn't actually have her period uh, that she sees, but she knows she's still cycling because her temperature. She can tell from her aura ring.
0: Oh wow, that's really cool. Yeah,
2: I think I've. I, she told that story. I think on the um, Life Lessons podcast. I'm not telling stories out of school here, but you know, she can actually see her hormones fluctuating by her body temperature. It's
0: very much linked. And so I think partly from this has come this idea that we need to be eating more, you know, right before our period. In Elisa Vitti's book, she said it was the equivalent of around 300 calories per day. I haven't looked at the studies beyond that to... See if, you know, if that's consistent across the board. In any case, I have so many thoughts about this. As far as it causing too much stress, I think one, I want to say that a lot of people, especially my Facebook group, because people have been talking about this, a lot of people do report that they have adjusted their eating and their fasting for their cycle and that they have benefited from it greatly. Most of them have it's not like they stop fasting before their cycle. It's just that they're more Maybe they have like a longer window or they're just not as, you know, intense as they might be other times. I think it's so, so easy or it's so often that people are eating restrictively while doing fasting and they're attributing that restriction to fasting. So they're using fasting as a synonym for restriction when fasting does not have to be restrictive. Like one girl posted in the Facebook group and I thought this was such a good example. She's wonderful. And she posts in the group all the time. She was commenting on a post and she was saying how, how, you know, she had been restrictive IF keto. And then she, you know, went more lenient and tried to adjust for her cycle. And it was like a game changer. And I think that's an example of changing from being restrictive in general to not being restrictive compared to changing from, fasting to not fasting does that make sense 100% because that i
2: really think is the key we we say that you know women shouldn't fast but what women shouldn't do is over-restrict. And so we've got to take away the idea that fasting is necessarily over, over-restrictive. over One of my friends, she's a moderator in the, the Facebook community still, and she shared yesterday in the moderator group a screenshot of her a diet she did back before she did fasting. And it was her diet journal where she was recording her calories and what she was eating. And she was eating you know 1,200 calories a day. And just looking at the food, it was like coffee and a protein bar. That was breakfast. And lunch was like a latte and you know a bagel. And, I mean, it was like so restrictive. And dinner was like a chicken breast and whatever. That is the kind of restriction that is going to make your body think something terrible is going on. So why are we not telling women not to do that? But we never not. I never heard anybody say, hey, women, don't do low-calorie diets. They're bad for you. But for some reason, I mean – she, she now is leaner than she was when she was doing that crazy restrictive diet, eating, you know all throughout the day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, trying to stick to 12, 13, to 1,300 calories a day. She's leaner now. She's not counting calories. She's eating till she's satisfied. She feels better. I mean, you tell me, which is the one that, that is, is going to be worse for your body, the one where you feel awful? and you're restricting all day long, or the one where you are feeling great, and you're fasting, and then you eat to satiety every night. I mean, our bodies are not dumb. And and that's why you have that increased urge to eat before your period if you need more food. Your body's like, hey, eat some more food. And you do. And then you go on about it. And you shouldn't stress about the fact that you have to eat more before your cycle. That's not wrong. You're listening to your body. Our bodies really don't want us to over restrict. But when we tried to do those over restrictive diets, we felt awful and our bodies fought back. Do what feels good to you. And I, I want us to stop trying to find that externally from other people telling you what you shouldn't shouldn't eat and when. Like
0: even, you know, all these people who are like do intermittent fasting XYZ. I'm like, well, I don't know. How do you feel? Yeah. I mean, even with like the, all of the cycle stuff and taking that into account, like, cause I'm all about data and learning about your body and knowing what's happening, but I think there's a balance that can be achieved and knowing that and feeling empowered by that without feeling like you have to like adjust the entirety of your life around it. Like, I think it should be more intuitive than planned. One hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Because
2: honestly... Throughout history, people just ate and lived. That was it. And now we're making it so complicated. Listen to your body. If you feel great, that's a good sign. If you don't feel great, that's a bad sign. Honestly, that's that's how simple I want you to make it.
0: Just really quick, one last thing about her question. She says, like, should I go back to eating? Because she was doing ADF, right? So she was saying, oh, she was eating 500 calories on her down days. So how do you feel about her doing, like, ADF before her period?
2: I mean, if she feels like she doesn't feel good, it sounds like she feels like she needs to eat more. Her body is saying eat more. I wouldn't try to muscle through ADF if my body was telling me to eat more that day and it felt bad. I would just eat. I I wouldn't just say, no, I'm not fasting, but I would have an eating window that felt right to me.
0: I think that's great. And use the coupon code Melanie Avalon to get 10% off. Again, that is MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with the coupon code Melanie Avalon for 10% off. This is my favorite coffee. Like I said, it takes some really good coffee and convincing biohacking health reasons to break me from my 10-year decade bulletproof coffee habit. But sometimes you just got to upgrade. And by the way, this would make epic presents for people. This can just become your go-to present. Not only will people love it, but you'll be helping their health as well. Everybody wins. MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with a coupon code Danger Coffee. Shall we go on to our next question? Yes. All right. So we have a question from Carolyn. The subject is jiggly menopausal thighs. And Carolyn says, hi, ladies. I know this is a, quote, superficial question. I get it that subcutaneous fat is not as dangerous as liver or visceral fat, but I must come clean and confess that it really peeves me that although my postmenopausal body is in pretty great shape and I feel mostly amazing, my thighs may never see short shorts or skirts again. I am using red light therapy, have tried cupping, two treatments so far, get regular exercise, and have an almost completely clean diet. I fast 20-ish hours daily with the occasional earlier window and a few ADFs thrown in recently. I know I should count my blessings that at 53, things are quite fine, and I shouldn't concern myself with this issue, but I would really love to have my firm thighs back. Any help or suggestions are greatly appreciated. I thought for sure Jin's new book was going to have the play on words, "fascinating" in the title somehow. Ha ha. So if anyone out there wants to steal the title, it's up for grabs. Love you ladies so much. P.S. I do use some beauty counter products and I'm going to bite the bullet and go all in very, very soon. Then with lots of XOs. Awesome. All right. Can I say something really quickly, by the way? Yes. I don't think it's a superficial question. I don't think it's wrong if like their body looks a certain way, if that makes you feel more confident in your skin. Like, I don't think that's superficial. You know, people can feel glowing and happy from an outfit that makes them feel really good. So is that superficial? I don't know. I just ponder this a lot. That's all I have to say about that. My soapbox.
2: Yeah, I agree. And then I'm getting, I'm going to have some, some bad news. I got some bad news for Carolyn and some bad news for Jen Stevens. (laughs) And you know, I I went through menopause. October of 2020 was where I officially hit the one year mark. Right on average, 51 is the age women usually go through menopause. Get to the other side. That's exactly when I did it. I hate being so average, Melanie. I like to be above average. Anyway, <laughs> I was average on menopause. Anyhow, my skin has changed a lot over the past like year. And, and I'm just going to say, I totally get it, Carolyn, because I'm looking down at my legs and I'm like, why does my leg look like my grandmother's leg <laughs> instead of my leg? And it has to do with the hormonal changes that we go through as we get older, which is, it does affect our skin elasticity. And I don't think there is any magic potion or supplement that is going to give you back your premenopausal self. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I really don't. I think that we just have to accept that we are aging and we we can either embrace that we're aging or we can be really frustrated. And I've decided to embrace it. And, I mean, that doesn't mean I'm not going to, you know, continue to do intermittent fasting. And, you know, if, if I wanted to try something to try to firm something up, I certainly could. But I'm not going to expect my skin to go back to how it was pre-menopause because I just don't think, I mean, I think I'm going to be disappointed if I try, you know, if I try to, I mean, I, I can't exercise my skin back to how it was. I mean, and, and it wasn't the fasting and the weight loss because I haven't changed my size over the past, you know, through menopause, but my skin elasticity is different. I mean, think about, you know, your, your grandmother, I think about my grandmama Calhoun, And she was, I always thought she was just beautiful. She had just very, very, you know, ivory skin and she, it was very soft and gentle. And I don't want to use the word saggy because that sounds terrible, but that that's, you know, the negative form of it would be saggy, but it just was soft and, and beautiful. But that's, I see my, my cheeks losing, you know, their shape a little bit and looking a little more like my grandmama and We've just got to recognize that we feel amazing. I mean, I feel amazing and I'm at the beach and I'm going to put on my bathing suit and my thighs don't look as good as they did a year ago, even though my waist size is actually down. So I haven't gained weight, but my skin looks different. And so I don't know, Melanie, what do you have to say about that?
0: I think I have some good news for you.
2: Okay. I would like to hear the good news.
0: And for Carolyn.
2: Okay, I'm not sure there's anything we can do. I know that everybody's trying to sell us something we can do, but what do
0: you think? Well, <laughs> I think you nailed it with the changes that happen hormonally and how, you know, it's a natural thing and it's harder to combat, especially if you're doing all the things. I will say, as far as like completely clean diet, it's hard to know what that is exactly. And macros can sometimes affect things But I do think this is more something to be addressed if you actually want it addressed. Because there are a lot of things out there right now that promise to address this. I mean, Carolyn said that she tried cupping and red light therapy, for example. So I actually did a lot of research on this. I did a blog post and I haven't updated it yet with the thing that I actually think does work the best. So I need to do that. But... The blog post is MelanieAvalon.com slash fat cells. And I go all into the science of fat cells and collagen and how these different treatments that they now proclaim to get rid of cellulite and target fat from the outside in with these treatments, whether or not they work. I actually feel... Out of all the things, because there are a lot of things, I think that the cryo slimming and cryotoning treatment works pretty well for this.
2: But you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Is that gonna increase skin elasticity? See, that's the
0: thing. That's what it's for, basically. So, and there's also something called venous treatments, which is also supposed to do that. So the cryo slim is for targeted fat burning and tightening up the cryo tone is just the tightening. So either of those are potential, but I've seen before and afters and I've met people who have done it and it's very effective. It is a bit cost prohibitive. And the reason I'm saying this is because Jen really nailed it with like how hard it is to address because of the hormonal situation, because of how you are. So I mean, on the one hand, it's like, oh, that seems like too good to be true because it requires no effort and it's, you know, it's not doing the hard work. It's not diet and exercise, but that actually might be why you need something like that because Diet and exercise might not tackle it. No, I mean it's not.
2: It's it's just different. Your your skin is literally different than it was before. So the the pictures you've seen are of postmenopausal women having done it. Because I promise you, if, if if you're looking at before and afters of people that are have not been through the transition, it's totally a different thing. <laughs> they are. All right. Well, I want Carolyn to try it and report back, and then I will go try it because you know I'm not the quickest to go do something. <laughs> Right now, my thing is I'm embracing it. Well, no, which I think is I think is like
0: totally great too.
2: But it's it's like things are melting. I mean, <laughs> it's like
0: my body is melting. What's happening? <laughs> well, yeah, because you're losing that that collagen production. And so these treatments, what they do is they stimulate that collagen production directly. Well, that that makes sense. Well, you would need to do that in order to see a difference. So they're using temperature and I don't know exactly like what the energy part of it is, but it's something and it's targeted to, I mean, it's basically giving the cells in that area because it's targeted treatment, the signal to create collagen. Do you have to go like get boosters and do it frequently? So the cryo slim and the cryo tone. Yeah. You do it like once every two weeks for like five or six sessions or until, until you've addressed it completely. But then it's probably going to,
2: I mean, if, if it's just increasing collagen, that's not going to be permanent.
0: So the Cryo Slim also kills fat cells. And the reason it's the two weeks is because it takes like two weeks for the, like they want the body to eliminate the dead fat cells through the lymph system. Similar to Cool, toning or cool Sculpting. Yeah, similar to Cool Sculpting. I just really like this Cryo Slim way, way better than the Cool Sculpting from what I've seen. So the Cryo slim is doing the fat cells, and it's using the targeted stuff for the collagen production and then, like I said, the cryotone is just the collagen, but as far as the permanentness, I think it is maintainable I think so
2: well i'm I'm a skeptic, I'm going to admit because to me, I don't know how the loss of collagen would be reversed and then permanent that's my my question. I understand if it's if it's changing your fat cells, that's a whole different thing.
0: Well, you'll have to I would love you to try.
2: I'm a skeptic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Listeners, if you do this and you are like a provider, you can do it for me for free. And if it works, I will tell everyone forever and you never have to pay me another thing. I will for free tell everyone forever. So, <laughs> But I'm not willing to go out and try it because, you know, I'm not going to pay a lot of money for something that I'm a skeptic about. But I mean, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. I would do it. I would try it.
0: If given the opportunity.
2: If given the opportunity, yeah.
0: So anyway. All right. I need to update that blog post though, because right now it doesn't include cryoslim. It just talks about cool sculpting, but yes. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. If you would like to submit your own questions for the podcast, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. The show notes will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 221. You can follow us on Instagram at ifpodcast, Melanie Avalon and Jen Stevens. And you can get all of the stuff that we like at ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like. All right. Well, anything from you, Jen, before we go? No, I think that's it. All right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful and I will talk to you next week. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.